At Cool Air Products, we developed AC Smart Seal Quick Shot with professionals in mind. It's the only product on the market that's three in one, with sealant, lubricant, and UV dye all in a single application. It's non toxic, non flammable, 100% safe to the touch, eco friendly, and compatible with all refrigerants. It's a safe solution option, backed by years of R&D, Intertech tested, and has sealed millions of leaks. AC Smart Seal, the professional's choice. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another podcast. It's going to be a fantastic one for you. We put together a round table. Now, it kind of worked out by accident, but I'm glad it worked this way because it was a really, really awesome podcast. Now, I had a, a scheduled interview. They had to cancel because of what's kind of happening in the world right now, and they had to move out of their office, and I think, from what I understand, are setting up a home office. Very understandable. We're going to reschedule that one. That one's going to be a good one, too. But I put together a roundtable here with the help of two individuals. Matt Waxer, who I reached out to. Now, I put this post out on Instagram saying, anybody want to get on the podcast? And I got a, little, a, a lot of good feedback. So I want to thank everybody and anybody that replied and offered up their time. I really appreciate that. But I had an idea. I wanted to talk to Matt Waxer. Matt, I know through Instagram. And Matt started out as a child psychologist and with a PhD and moved his way into HVAC eventually and is about to become a journeyman. I thought that was a very cool story. So I wanted to reach out and see if you wanted to come on and talk about that. The other person reached out on Instagram. And if you don't know him, his name is Ken Goodrich. Okay. A lot of you guys probably know who he is. Ken Goodrich is the president and CEO of Godel Air Conditioning. Okay, they're in kind of the western region of the U.S. Now, Ken, Matt, and I are going to have this kind of roundtable discussion about many different things in the industry. It's not really about one topic in particular. It's just a really good conversation. So anyway, guys, we're going to get to Matt and Ken coming up right now. This is the HVAC Know-It-All podcast, and I'm your host, Gary McCready. Welcome to the HVAC Know-It-All Podcast, recorded from a basement somewhere in Toronto, Canada. Your host and HVAC tech, Gary McCready, will take you on a deep dive into the industry discussing all things HVAC, from storytelling to technical discussion. Enjoy the show. For anybody that's listening, I have two awesome guests with me, and actually, we're going to have a very organic conversation. I should have said that to you guys earlier. Um, let's let's just, just relax and we're going to have a very organic conversation. There's nothing pressing here that we need to talk about. It's we're, we're all three of us are within the same industry. So I think that we can have a really good discussion. And I had a, uh, my guest canceled today, um, unfortunately, because they're in the midst of moving from the office to working at home and they fully haven't set up yet. Like I think a lot of people are doing around kind of the, the North America and even the world. So I wanted to thank both of you guys for, for hopping on and, and spending some time with me tonight. And Matt, I reached out to you first and because I know that you have a, a cool story to tell. You started in, in, in the, uh, the world of psychology, right? You have a PhD in psychology. Uh, yeah, actually, uh, 
spent a fair amount of time in post-secondary education, ended up with a PhD in, well, a specialized area of psychology, developmental cognitive neuroscience. Uh, got that at the University of Western Ontario. Uh, what happened is partway through my PhD, there were big changes across Europe, uh, North America, South America, that really caused an influx of graduate students uh, to be produced with no prospect of a job within their realm of academic work. So what I had to look into were alternative options. And one thing that I had always been involved in was within the skilled trades since an early age. My uncle is a master carpenter and partway through my PhD, I also looked at going back into carpentry for a while. I did that for a while upon completion and somehow landed in this crazy world of HVAC, which I can tell you more about as uh, we go on throughout our discussion tonight. Yeah. yeah, cool. So, and then also, Ken, you um, said on Instagram, you're like, hey, you, you, you'll you'll be ready to talk HVAC anytime. So thank you for that. And and you are, um, you're kind of a giant in the industry. And, and uh, I hope that doesn't make your cheeks go red or anything when I say that. Because it's it's true. Hey. Like I mean, all you got to do is Google your name, Ken Goodrich, and it pops up on the first page of Google. And I mean, you are. I mean, I'm gonna I'm gonna let you tell tell a little bit of your story. Go ahead. All right. Well, I appreciate that. But uh, you know, I've had a little weight challenge most of my life. So giant. I'm not, not sure where you're headed with that. But oh um, no no no. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. So so. Uh, so uh, I'm the CEO of a company called Gettle, G-O-E-T-T-L, air conditioning, and we operate in the western U- United States, uh, Las Vegas, Phoenix, Tucson, two locations in Los Angeles, and one in San Antonio, Texas. And um, you know, I acquired that company about, well, in 2013, and I was on the verge of, verge of bankruptcy. And I, I acquired it, and I uh, fixed it, and I started growing the business, and 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 we're putting it across these other locations. But where I started was, um, I started as a ten-year-old boy holding the flashlight from my dad, uh, working on an air conditioner, and I was enslaved at an early age to be the official flashlight holder and the toolbox holder, and the you know everything we do as uh, sons to help our dad. So. Um, I started there and I worked every night and weekend. And, uh, you know, as I grew up and got older, uh, he taught me the trade. And by the time I was 16 years old, I, he handed me a, when I got my driver's license, he handed me a few service calls and I went out and started doing them. And I've just kind of evolved in the business, ended up going to college, uh, because man, it's tough on those roofs all those years, um, in, in the heat in Las Vegas. So, Went to college thinking I was going to get a nice job in air conditioned space and a nice suit and hang out with the beautiful people. Um, at the same time, I was doing air conditioning and and uh, you know I became very skilled at it. You know, my dad was a great technician and a great uh, uh, business mind and very creative. And so you know he transferred some of those skills to me. And I went at, at college. Uh, 
you know, I was studying to, uh, uh, finance and I, I don't know, the second, two and a half years in, I say to my instructor, I said, hey, so what does someone in finance make, you know, for a living? And he said, well, you know, you'll probably start out about $18,000 a year. This was in the early 80s. You probably start out $18,000 a year. And I said, 18000 a year? And I'm thinking, I'm making fifty right now fixing air conditioners. And so I decided eh, college probably wasn't for me. Um, and it wasn't for me, you know, o over and above the money. It really wasn't for me. And I just went out and started my own company. And I got a whole litany of stories that go on from there. But uh, that's my background. Uh, and then one interesting piece of that is the first flat – first air conditioner I ever lit up with a flashlight was a Gettle air conditioner. The company I own now used to be a manufacturer as well. And the first air conditioner I ever learned to repair was a Gettle. And the first air conditioner I ever learned to install was a Gettle. The first air conditioner I ever sold was a Gettle. My dad died at 25. I bought the business for my mom at 25. And Gettle was the only company that would be, give me credit to operate in with. And, um, and so Gettle has been with me my entire career till I became the CEO in 2013 and own it today. That's, so, that's, that's, that's awesome. So, I, I mean, holding the flashlight for your dad when, when you were young, I mean, that must be very like, do you still have that? <laughs> do you still have that flashlight now that you held for him since you, 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 the, the Gettle thing is, has been with you for that amount of time. You still holding on to that flashlight? You know, I don't have that particular flashlight, but so, but here's what I did. You know, our brand campaign that what really, really resurrected the company was, you know, the first commercial was me saying I was a 10 year old boy holding the flashlight for my dad while he worked on an air conditioner for a customer. And I talk about what he taught me on those, those nights holding the flashlight and how, what he taught me and the values he taught me and, you know, you go when when a customer needs you, you go right away, not when it's convenient for you, and and that kind of stuff. And so I I went out and I had those uh, Railvac flashlights, those tin ribbed Railvac flashlights that you know everybody had in the seventies, and I had them reproduced um, and put LED bulbs in them. And so we said on the radio, we say uh, that flashlight was important to me. You're important to me too, so I'm going to give you a Gettle flashlight. And so our technicians pass out Gettle flashlights and our salespeople to people at stoplights, people at the convenience stores, people at the gas station, all their friends and family to our customers. And so, I don't know, I've been doing this for maybe five years, but we've given out over a million flashlights to date. Wow. That's that's crazy. So I don't have that one, but I I got a lot of them. <laughs> well, I'd also so, think that uh, sorry to interject, Kerry, but uh, no, as it's okay. Just I was, as a I was, business I was, card, I was about to bring you in on this, Matt. <laughs> so I'm glad you <laughs> jumped. Enough. I'm glad you jumped in. Just as a business card, that's uh, I think Ken. That's a phenomenally unique idea that stands out uh, to just the mass populace of. You know, here's a, a Gettle flashlight. Um, you know, what kind of product or what kind of service can they offer me? Rather than just your standard wallet card that 
any HVAC company or any company in general would hand out that gets thrown to the side. It's something useful that a customer is going to look at and keep your company in mind. I, I got to tell you, had I had an idea how happy giving a flashlight to a woman makes them, I would have carried them around in by the gross uh, in college. I'm telling you. <laughs> yeah, when you were on the dating scene. Eh? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, 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 we've all, we all, we all wish that we were smarter, as smart as we are now, back when we were eighteen, right? Because yeah. we could have done so, so many things. I mean, we could have dated the, the woman of our dreams because we would know how to treat them and what they wanted. <laughs> uh, that's crazy. Um, so the reason why, the reason why, um, I wanted to talk to Matt, and and we can compare how things are done um, at where you are in, in Arizona and Nevada and, and that, Ken. But Matt has has obviously decided that he was going to make a shift in his career. And he got into HVAC and refrigeration. And um, he had to go through a certain set of training and do a five-year apprenticeship. And he's just coming to the end of that now. And Matt, you're still waiting to write your final um, we call it a, a certificate of quali- uh, qualification that gets you your your journeyman status. You're still waiting to write that, right, Matt? I'm still waiting on that. And realistically speaking, given the current world events, there's no set time frame in terms of when testing centers will open or reopen to actually set a uh, certificate of qualification exams. Mm-hmm. So I'm hoping that by... Um, mid next month to maybe a month and a half from now that I'll have the opportunity to sit down and finally set the CFQ and get the refrigeration air conditioning system mechanic ticket done and over with and under my belt, get the you know, journey person status. It's yeah, it's, it's, it's a big, it's a big step and it's a big leap um, because, and even though it's just one test, you've spent this amount of time and this amount of energy and, and this amount of on call hours and time on on the job to to get to that point, and then when you pass that test, it's just like a a big huge um, sigh of relief. So, I mean, the steps that you had to take to go through are the same kind of sort of the same steps that I had to take because we're from the same area. So, you had to do a five year apprenticeship and you had to go through basic training, intermediate training, and advanced training. Correct. That uh, yep, that's correct, and. Uh... What I found in my experience in going through the schooling portion of our apprenticeship is that there's a big difference uh, between different training facilities within our area. So I attended two different colleges. Uh, One college I attended for uh, basic refrigeration, and I attended that same college for advanced, and I attended a different location for intermediate. Uh, I'm not going to name any names of the colleges, anybody who will listen to this podcast and knows who I am knows where I've gone for schooling. And they know that my opinion of the school that I attended intermediate level refrigeration training for, I found to be a far superior training facility. And I found that the teachers, in my opinion, were a little bit higher caliber in terms of the delivery of their material and their approach to teaching. That's just one person's perspective. Everybody's going to have a different uh, experience at the different training facilities and different colleges uh, while they're going through the schooling that I've gone through and that you've gone through as well, Gary. 
Yeah, yeah, 100%. So, I mean, Ken, how does that differ from the way things are done where you're from? How, how does one become a, a, a full-on journeyman or is that, does that even exist where, where you're from? So uh, some of the unions, the, most of the plumbers unions, they do have an air conditioning refrigeration um, uh, journeyman process, and I'm not that familiar with it, um, um, and it's not that widely used. Certainly out west is not that widely used, but uh, but they do have a journeyman school, and, I, and I'm unfamiliar with the time frame on it. I think most people, certainly in the light commercial and residential world, probably uh, come from you know, just like me, you know, raised by, you know, trained by a father or a stepdad or a, or a neighbor or something like that when they were very, very young, seems like to be a high percentage there or, uh, or they go to a trade school, you know, the trade schools last one to two years here, uh, that to get a real comprehensive trade school, there's, there's trade schools that offer that, that tout that you can be an air conditioning technician in six weeks, which, I'm not so sure about that one, but <laughs> I'm still trying to be one after 20 years. So I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's always something, there's always something uh, new and interesting and, and I keep up on it. I mean, I, I'm, you know, right now I've kind of evolved to a business builder, but I love the trade and I keep up with it all the time. And there's always something new and interesting. There's always going to be something new uh, and interesting within our trade as, as you you know, correctly point out, Ken. Um, I think to further your point, um, there's always learning that needs to go on uh, continually, no matter what, uh, and no matter where you are within your phase within this industry, uh, you need to constantly and actively seek out training on the latest products, the latest um, appliances that are coming out to be proficient on those uh products and be able to actually work on them. And in the absence of that, you're going to fall way behind the curve. We also see that with tools as well as Gary has been well, to, you know, in promoting that on his social media platforms. By the way, Matt, let me tell you this. You have a leg up. You have a leg up over every single one of your fellow journeymen. And that's your, your psychology background because you know, when on, people ask, sometimes ask me what I do, I, I say, well, I'm a child psychologist. And they're like, oh, really? Yes. I said, well, I yes, I have 800 air conditioning people work for me. So most of my job is psychology, <laughs> dealing with those challenges. I think uh, a, a kind of label you may, some people may put on that is uh, a little bit of daddy daycare that uh, <laughs> yeah. you need to apply to your technicians and uh, your employees. But yeah, I said the to Ken. I said, very to Ken well taken. <laughs> I said to Ken earlier that because he he brought this point up to me earlier when we talked on the phone, and I said, "Yeah, I said you do have a leg up because some of us technicians can be big babies sometimes. So having that um, child psychologist within you can help <laughs> kind of guide these guys in the right direction. You know what I mean? <laughs> but with customers too. With customers I appreciate too, saying right? that. Oh, absolutely, <laughs> it's um, it's one thing to apply certain things that I've learned in my academic training to uh, my coworkers uh, and, you know, also have to apply it to customers as well. Does it give me a leg up? Maybe, maybe not. It gives me a different vantage point 
a different perspective that uh, some people will most likely not get. Um, it's a tool within my arsenal to approach service calls because I'm a, much like Gary, I'm a service technician. And in our line of work, it's one thing to figure out a problem with a rooftop unit or a walk-in cooler, walk-in freezer down. It's a completely different ball game once you bring in the human interaction aspect, being able to provide proper service on the actual equipment, but then also provide service and build a quality relationship with your clientele and your customer base. No, that makes 100% sense. 100% if that even made sense, what I just said. <laughs> it makes 100% a hundred percent sense what what you just said, and I don't even know. I still don't even know if I'm saying that right. <laughs> Sounds good to me, Gary. <laughs> um, so, so Ken, you're like you're in the business of building businesses. That's that's what you said earlier. And I could have sworn I seen a YouTube video of you standing on a stage with somebody, um, and you were describing this same thing, being in the of the business of building business. What do you mean by that? So the CMPX show got canceled. Yeah, well, probably the best thing to do, really, because with all the closures and shutdowns and um, social distancing and all this kind of stuff, I mean, some people think it's overboard. Some people think it's justified. But whatever the case, maybe it's probably best that they just cancel it for now. Okay which is fine. We'll get back there sooner or later. It's only supposed to be postponed until 2021, but we'll, we'll see what happens. Um, I was doing an oil change on my NAVAC 4CFM pump, and I was reading through the tips in the NAVAC manual, and one of the tips was, and something I didn't really do in the past, was to remove the inlet cap from the pump when you turn it on, because what you do first is you let the, the, the oil warm up for a bit before you drain it out because warm oil holds more contaminants. I have a YouTube video. I will put the link in the podcast summary. So warm oil grabs more contaminants. But while that pump is running for that couple of minutes, oh yeah, and Navac says, don't don't have the pump exposed to the atmosphere running for over three minutes. We gotta, you still gotta warm up that oil. So a couple of minutes, right? Remove the inlet cap because that's gonna pull any old oil contaminated oil that's in the pump cylinders and it brings it back to the sump so you can drain it out so i changed the oil on my pump today it was very very cloudy because of that experiment i ran with my kids when i boiled water um, at room temperature in a vacuum cool experiment i got a video <laughs> i got a video on that too so make sure you change your oil periodically and if you're having problems with pulling down a system get that oil changed and remember warm up your oil all right, pull the inlet caps off to pull the oil out of the cylinder. And um, when you fill it back up, fill it to the line, run it for a minute. And if if that line doesn't come back to where you filled it to, that means the pump has just grabbed some of that oil internally and, and that sump is less full. So then you need to add that little bit of oil back. But anyway, just follow the instructions that come with your pump. True Tech Tools, 8% um, off all store items except for Fluke and Fleer. And 
they sent me a Hilmer tube bending kit. Now I've heard from a lot of people, this kit is badass. A lot of people say it's the best kit on the market for tube bending. Now, I haven't really bent a tube in my life. I got to admit, I used to do install when I was in my younger years, but it was all, I'd say 99% hard pipe running big Liebert um, systems. So I didn't have a need for a bender, but I have one now and I'm going to demo it come the spring and it's supposed to be one of the best. So check it out at True Tech Tools, save 8% with promo code KNOWITALL. YJ Digital Torque Wrench, very, very cool, interesting, um, forward-thinking tool for mini splits. If you're doing a lot of mini splits and you need to get the specs out of the manual to torque up your nuts, <laughs> torque up those nuts, right? Um, a digital torque wrench will help you get to the, the right torque setting. So Yellow Jacket has one, digital torque wrench, check it out. RefTech, refrigeration technologies. Now, we all know they make great stuff. I was using their Evap Plus on some walk-in cooler evaporators about a week and a half ago. And my experience with it was really, really good. Now Evap Plus, it, it breaks down um, bacteria that causes odor and all that stuff in the coils. Now, it also shines them up really nice. So it's Refrigeration Technologies Evap Plus comes in like a, a green one gallon jug and it's non-rinse non-rinse formula so you just spray it on you don't need to rinse it off very very cool stuff let's get back to matt and ken this segment of the podcast is brought to you by harago a trades only platform helping you find the right job or the right candidate harago.com best in trade so you know uh uh you know if you You've heard part of my journey. I mean, I'm an air conditioning guy, uh, born and raised, and uh, you know, I'm very close to the trade and and every, you know, you know, every piece and part of it. But um, when I got in business, my, my dad passed away when I was 25, and I started, uh, uh, I started in business. Or I took the business over, and he didn't have many employees, and it was me, me in a van. And a couple helpers here and there when I needed it. My mom answered the phone and did the books. And I started on that journey, but I wanted to have a, I wanted to be bigger and I wanted to be, uh, you know, I, I wanted to have an enterprise. And so I kept hiring people and, you know, growing the business and getting more businesses or getting more business. And, uh, um, you know, long story short, I had a crash, you know, I, it, I crashed and, uh, I didn't close the business or anything, but I just hit the wall financially and I was really struggling. And, and I got a hold of this book. Uh, my best friend gave me this book called the E-Myth, the E-Myth Revisited, why most small businesses don't work and what to do about it. And so I got this book and I started reading it and I'm thinking, how is this guy, Michael Gerber, no everything stupid I do. Like, how does he know it? And so, you know, he, he, he just nailed it. Every single mistake I made is just right in that book and the page. And, and he shows how to, you know, how to unwind that and make a real business out of it. And basically what he says is a business is a set of systems. It's no different than an air conditioner and the protocol on how 
what happens at the very moment that the low voltage pulls into that contactor, right? It's That's how a business works and all the steps in between, and we all know how that machine works, and that's what a business is. It's a set of defined systems that you can train your people to deliver world-class service to your customers uh, at a price that will yield a profit. That's it. And so I took I took it to heart. And, and uh, you know, my dad was gone. I didn't really have anyone to talk to. I couldn't. I couldn't go tell my mom that I blew up the family business, you know, within two years. And so I just started applying the principles of that book. And, and another one of the principles is that when you build a business, it's you need to build a prototype so that it could be duplicated anywhere in the world and still operate and still make a profit. Right. And so I just went to work on the business in that mind, one of, with that in mind. And, and one of the things Michael E. Gerber says is, are you working in the business or are you working on the business? And as the business owner, you need to work on the business. And so I just got good at fixing these businesses and, and I bought a few more uh, and then I sold some and I bought some more and I, and I put them together and I applied those principles and I started building more and more and more. And long story short, so here I am today, you know, this is my 35th year. Um, as a licensed contractor, it's probably my, I don't know, 35th, 50th year as, no, 50, 48th year as a, you know, from the day I started holding the flashlight. But, um, and I built and sold 24 HVAC companies. Um, and then, you know, this latest group I took uh, that was Gettle, and uh, I told you a story how I got there. But Gettle was kind of iconic in, in the States. And so I took it, and it was doing, at the time, $11 million in sales and losing $3 million a year, two hundred fifty grand a month. And so now we've taken it, applied this process, the Michael Gerber systems, and we grew it. And this year, uh, I'm proud to announce uh, we're pretty clear. I, I'm, the reason why I'm hesitating is because these last few days have been a little different. But uh, uh, but our goal this year is to do 150 million in sales. That's crazy. That's that's yeah. Congratulations. Yeah. So and so I met Michael Gerber four years ago uh, at a uh, Air Conditioning Contractors of America meeting. I told him my story on how what he how he really built me, and I never met him all those years. And he said, "Why don't we co-author a book called the Emith HVAC Contractor?" And so I, um, so I did. You know, it, it took me a couple years with him, but we wrote the book, and and he tells, you know, his technology, if you will, on how he looks at things, and then I tell my story on the next chapter on how I applied it back way back in the late eighties. So that's how I kind of got to be a business builder. And, and it's really because I screwed up my own business so bad and I figured it out and I fixed it and I fixed it. Well, I started buying broken companies and fixing them too. Just like, you know, I don't know. I, I like, I'm sure most of us air conditioning techs, love to fix things. I do too. I like to take something that no one else can do uh, and that use your mind and and make it run and fix a challenge that no one else can do. And I think I was just built that way 
from my years of working with my dad. Yeah. And, and, and I, I do want to ask you, you said work on the business, not in the business. So there's, I know there's people out there thinking, well, what does that mean? Like, what is the difference between the two? Okay. So, so working on the business is about setting up your business systems, right? So, um, I'll apply it to another business, McDonald's. So McDonald's decides we're going to make this Big Mac, and here's the recipe for the Big Mac, and here's how many pickles it gets, and here's how many diced onions. Do you have McDonald's out there, by the way? Oh yeah, oh yeah. And, oh, okay, okay. So and 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 they 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 make a system, and here's how you do it, and here's how it looks. And here's how long it how here's how long you cook the bread in. Here's where you get the bread. I mean, or heat the bread up. All the stuff, right? And you put it in this little styrofoam container. And so it's it's building your business with systems like that. So the way I approached it was, all right, let me let me just start to get the discipline down of building systems. So I said, okay, I gotta open I gotta go open up every morning. I'm gonna make a checklist. Open the door, turn the lights key in the alarm code, you know, check the warehouse door. I don't know, open it up, whatever. Uh, turn on the coffee for the guys, put new filters in, you know, whatever for the coffee. And, you know, you make the checklist, right? And then you make the checklist for going home at night. You know, how, you, know you shut the business down, right? And that was the first two systems I created. So now I started handing them off to people. Okay, you're, you're going to open up in the morning. And after a while, they started to open up better than I did, and then they closed down better than I did. And then, you know, the the three pillars of the business, or of any business, really, are lead generation, lead conversion, and client fulfillment, right? I get a lead, I sell a lead, and I do the work, right? Mm -hmm. So I started working on those three first. So, you know, I backed into, okay, sell the lead, so or do you do the work? So... I went to a mechanical engineer. I said, um, my light commercial business and my, um, and my residential business were in the replacement business, right? So a modernization. And so I said, okay, I want you to draw me every type of system we come into. I told them what they were, you know, package heat pump, split heat pump, um, you know, whatever, uh, package gas electric, split gas electric. And I said, okay, I want you to draw me shop drawings for each of these systems with, you know, and, and I want no expense spared. I want it to be the best installation that possibly could be with all the bells and whistles and the plenums are right and all the details and notes, right? And so I got those done and I made them my way and I would bring my people in rather than getting the installers and saying, you know, you do it the way the last guy taught you. It's like, this is the way we, this is our Big Mac. And this is how we build the Big Mac here. Make it look just like this, right? You follow me? And then everything, yep. everything we did, I just made sure that we built systems. So early on, it was difficult because you got to do the work and you got to build the systems. You got to do the work, build the systems. So I, it wasn't until I got a, a manager, and this guy came out of the Air Force and he was, you know, had the, had the management experience and the discipline and he knew the trade. And I said, okay, you get the work done. I am going to start building the systems. 
so that's really how it began. That's how it began. And that makes so much sense in many, not even building a business, in many different aspects. Like Matt and I can attest to building a system on on a service call is 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 the same thing. Like pulling a vacuum on a system. You don't just do it any which way you feel like it. There's a system that you implement to pull uh, an efficient vacuum. Like I don't know what your setup is like, Matt, if 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 you've been um, going out and, and, and using larger hoses and, and using nylog and core removal tools and all that kind of stuff. But two smokes and a coffee. Yeah. Two smokes and a coffee. That, that's <laughs> sorry. I had to break that out. <laughs> that's, that's just an, kind of an inside joke, Ken, where we say that two smokes and a coffee is good enough when you're pulling a vacuum. But these, these days pulling a vacuum is not just like shoving your gauges on, having a smoke, waiting 20 minutes, and then just filling up the system. Now we're putting on a micron gauge, the furthest, uh, point of the system from the vacuum pump, trying to use large hoses that are um, large diameter that are short um, and making sure our vacuum pump oil is fresh and we're monitoring it. And sometimes it only takes on a system could take five minutes to pull a vacuum. Um, and then guys are waiting the half an hour, the rule of thumb that they, they were told. And sometimes it takes longer. And we're, we're implementing these types of systems in our service work to make us more successful in the field. There's been changes in just how to go about implementing certain practices and procedures that um, have been in place long ago, but have been forgotten. So you see a resurgence within our trade, uh, as you correctly point out, Gary, the use of, you know, higher, uh, well, sorry, larger diameter hoses uh, that are also shorter to pull a vacuum quicker. Um, implementing core removal tools, removing obstructions within the system uh, to pull an efficient and you know, as quick as possible vacuum. Um, it's become, in a sense, its own little um, domain of knowledge that you have to re-educate yourself in. And we're going to see that come across other areas and practices within our industry as well, I think, moving forward. Yeah. And, 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 you know, I'm an advocate of digital tools and using these digital tools gives you a kind of like a, a different view into what you're doing because you're seeing things happening in, in this real time. Um, it's, it's more precise, it's more accurate. Um, you can see things, uh, happening right before your eyes that you couldn't see before you were looking at a needle on a on a uh, gauge, move up and down a little bit. Now you can scroll by on your phone in an app and look at a graph of the past, of the history that happened the last 10 minutes. And you can see these, you don't have to memorize them now. You can go back and look at them. And now you can you can not only do that, but you can also send them to the customer or yourself or wherever, and, and they're captured forever. You I know what I mean? You, you know, absolutely. You, it's a source of additional information that uh, is invaluable in terms of looking into system performance, I think, you know, I'm also a, a proponent of the move towards uh, digital uh, tools within our industry. But, you know, a, a very good friend of mine uh, that I've been able to make contact with through uh, Gary's social media platform, he's a huge advocate of analog tools. And I think that realistically within our trade, we need to use both. Um, to really balance out you know, accuracy on both analog and digital tools. Sometimes 
you want to be able to confirm that your digital tools are actually corresponding what you can also see within an analog tool. And then the additional information you glean from a digital instrument uh, that you can also forward on to your customer is just added bonus. It's like the cherry on the cake, but or you know, cherry on top of your ice cream sundae. But you still need to be, you know, hold true to the old analog tools as well. Uh, it's going to be a balance, in my opinion, that mm -hmm. uh, we need to implement. Let me let me run this by on that topic. So, uh, so I recently became acquaint acquainted uh, with a um, company called MeasureQuick. Are you familiar with this? MeasureQuick. Oh yeah, Jim Bergman. Yep, Jim. Yeah, Jim's yeah. been on my podcast a couple of times. Yep. A okay. Great application. So now we we have developed a Gettle workflow with MeasureQuick, and and we're just we're just implementing it now. And so uh, you know we're gonna you know they're gonna come in with I believe eight sensors and put it on the system. We're gonna start with our installation department, and we're going to use it as our commissioning process. And you know we 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 have been doing our quality control with a system called uh, I Auditor, and it's an app. And you set up what pictures you want of the system to take, and and there's instructions on what the thing should look like, right? So the condensate line should have this, this, and this, right? Take a picture of the trap. Anyway, we take the pictures; they get uploaded to our system. The service managers look at them, and you don't leave the job until he blesses the pictures. But you know, you know as well as I do, you can make a picture look you know different ways or you can't, can't catch them so now we're implementing measure quick as our commissioning process with the um with the uh the i auditor so we got real-time service managers looking at the screen making sure that the the superheat subcooling is correct make sure the machine's running properly it's within specs then they bless it now you can leave I think that's going to be a game changer for us. And then we're going to oh, a help desk, help, help desk model where we're going to implement with our service teams. And so the younger guys will be, will have their, you know, their older, wiser guys that don't, can't physically do the job, be looking at the screen and coaching them through the, the job. So it's evolving fast. I'm very excited. And I, and I feel like those of us who grasp this, uh, new tool technologies are, are going to get a real leg up on everybody else. Yeah. Can, can I ask you, you said, so they're coming in, measure quick is coming in and to work with you and you're going to put eight sensors with on, within a unit. So these eight sensors are only going on during commissioning or they're staying on so you can tap into them at any point in time. Okay. So um, our, our, our first, first go is, is these are the uh, field piece, you know, Measurement sensors, right? Okay, okay. Okay. Do you call them sensors? What do you call them? You know, where you clamp Yeah, yeah. Them? They're they're like, um, well, I mean, the, the different ones have, like, I use the Testo smart probes and they have thermistors um, uh, on them. So I don't know what the field piece has because I don't have much experience with, with, with that tool itself. It'd probably okay. be a similar setup to the Testo line of smart probes. I run the Testo smart probes as well. But in terms of your temperature readings, it's most likely a thermistor and then your refrigerant um probes are going to be digital transducers yeah that's right so we're gonna you know we're, we're gonna 
connect to the system. And I, I don't know the details of how many or, or specifically what they are, but we're always obviously going to test the static pressure and our, and our pressures and it, it will extrapolate the subcooling, the superheat, all the stuff and the amp draws. And it's, it's, he's, he's made it so that we have a nice clean report. Like, okay, here's, here's the, the first day of life. Now, after we get that in, we're working with Emerson right now to be part of their Sensi program, and uh, Sensi is a you know full time three hundred sixty five day monitoring system, like a, a mini, you know, a mini uh, commercial DDC system, but for your house, and it's monitoring, and and it, it will send us alerts. It'll send us and the customer alerts when you're not when it's not operating correctly. I've been beta testing that one for years. Uh, and now, now we're going to roll it out in a bigger way. We currently have about 20,000 maintenance programs. So I'm going to try to get half of them on that. And so 10,000 will be monitoring every day and, you know, we'll be alerted. But for instance, it's so detailed on my house, it'll, and I have carrier infinity furnaces, uh, 90% furnaces. It'll say, you know, you had three misfires on furnace number five last night, right? Yep. Yeah, that's 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 awesome. Me, me and uh, me and Matt were just talking about that before you you came on about predictive maintenance because um, Armstrong has a pump now that um, has this predictive maintenance. It actually can sense vibration within the pump, and the vibration starts getting more um, intense than it's supposed to be. It can send you an email and say, "Hey, go check this." It can even tell you what parts to bring um, that might be the problem. So if if the Sensi, like I don't know much about. Um, the application you're talking about with, with the Sensi outside of like a smart thermostat, but you could also do predictive maintenance with something like that. If you have like a, a discharge air sensor, um, like for AC, like say over the course of like a month, uh, the discharge air every, every day it drops a degree for some reason, or, or sorry, it rises a degree. And like a month later, you're, you're like, you got no cooling, but you could maybe catch that now um, in the first week and say, well, my discharge air is on the rise every day. There's something going on here. Let's send a tech out to have a look at it. Yeah. Is so that something and, and, maybe, maybe you're thinking. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's, it's endless possibilities. The one thing that I'm concerned with is, is that, and I don't know this to be true. I mean, we, you know, our motto at our company is we do things the right way, not the easy way. And so, you know, we, we have schools in each one of my locations. We have trainers in each one of my locations. We're, we're, we're trying to keep up with everything. But I just wonder how much business is done in our trade by misdiagnosis and poor maintenance and things wearing out that didn't have to wear out, whereby once this new technology goes in, you know, it could be we could be cutting ourselves, you know, half the half the total revenue of the industry out just by it being predictive. You follow what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Yep. So I mean, you're necessarily going to cut out a majority of the work in the industry. I think the, the concept behind predictive maintenance would be uh, income generating in the sense that you're going to be data logging system performance and certain characteristics of that system performance are going to be indicative of a system failure. So let's get in there, 
report this information to the client before they have some kind of catastrophic system failure so that we can repair their equipment quickly, efficiently, and with minimal downtime or zero downtime. I, I got it, but on our beta tests on the Sensi equipment, I, I got it and that's the way I see it, but on our beta tests on the Sensi uh, equipment that we're testing, um, you know, you tell people you're furnished it, you misfired last night three times, so we need to come out and check it. And they're like, nah, it's it's running fine. We, I mean, most people, if the unit's still running, don't let you come out. You really have to work with them to get some confidence in them. Now, it might change, it might be different in the commercial maintenance world, but in, certainly in the residential world, it's an interesting dynamic. If it ain't, if it, if it ain't freezing cold or burning hot in their house, they don't want you out. And you, have already, temper, you have to temper the communication with uh, the customer in terms of what product, what problems you may see coming down the line. If there's, you know, in the example you're giving here, Ken, the example of, you know, three misfires on, you know, the appliance, um, yet you see it return back to normal operation because you're capable of continually data logging the appliance, uh, you can flag that as, hey, something happened at this time. Let's continue to monitor it. That's uh, something that may lead to future problems with the appliance. That doesn't mean you necessarily have to contact the customer right away saying, we need to get a technician out there right now and really dive into what's going on. But you could give them an alert or something along the lines of, you know, hey, we've noticed uh, potentially I don't know, something along the lines of um, slightly abnormal performance of your equipment. We just want to let you know that everything right now is running okay, and we will be continuing to monitor this. To also plant the seed that you know, we're looking after your equipment and we're gonna be your go-to company if something goes wrong. Yeah, I like it. I like it. We're, we're currently testing all those those different scenarios, but uh, it's just a different, you know, it's, it's just a change. And um, I, I am interested to see how much business is done because of poor diagnosis and just plain poor maintenance, right? And both of those things won't get those both both of those things will get remedied with the new electronic technologies, right? Yeah, I I think so. I I think the more you know about something, the more information you have, the the better off you are. I, I mean, that's that's just I, I think that's just. Um, the way that the industry is going, every industry, every, anything, everything's analytics based. I know my customers, when you show them, when you show them more, it changes their mind very, very quickly on even a simple picture. But if you take it further and show them a graph and you show them this and that, um, on top of that picture, it's just like, okay, stop. I understand. Just fix it. Like I, you, you see, they, they seem annoyed to the point where you're showing them so much information. You're proving your point over and over and over. They, they don't have a choice but to say, yeah, just fix it. That's that's what I'm seeing with with all the information that we can provide to a customer. Yeah, I like that. I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful when we start being diagnose, diagnosing with uh, MeasureQuick that the report that comes off of it, you know, and, and has the charts, the graphs, the report, pass fails on it. 
you know, that will add some additional credibility. Um, but, you know, credibility, but also I just want to make sure that we eliminate callbacks and misdiagnosis. That's one of the interesting things about it as well. So, I mean, there's a whole other dynamic. It's really the, it's really the buy process of the customer. And is the customer going to be, our, and this is, this is where Matt's training might kick in very well, but what is the buy process of the customer? And, and what is today's customers thinking about? How do they think about things? Um, um, and will this, with, will this automated troubleshooting and data and reporting help? I think so because look at vehicles. Vehicles, vehicles do it already, right? Um, and as soon as he, somebody sees a yellow or an orange or a red light in their vehicle, um, most of the time they're not going to drive around like that for too often. I know if, if if I get a light like that in my vehicle or the vehicle that our family vehicle that predominantly my wife drives, she's like, get that in because <laughs> she doesn't want to see those lights anymore. So I mean, just so, something simple as alarm lights on a controller or a thermostat or something that won't go away until the problem's rectified i could see that being um a pressure point for somebody because like i said vehicles are already diagnosing themselves and when they do it's time to take it in to be serviced so i i could see and people are still buying those vehicles like people at teslas are going or flying off the handle you know what i mean there's an app and you can get um all of all all the stuff that you see wrong with your car or is right with your car or whatever on on your app and it's the same thing with thermostats and hvac equipment the world is going in that direction and the more and more information that you know you're going to be able to provide your customer and hopefully be able to distill it down to a point that's communicable to them uh, you got to be able to take technical information that uh, we've been exposed to and we can talk within our trade very simply back and forth and know exactly what we mean. So when I say the term, you know, my superheat is X degrees, we all understand what that's going to mean if I give some additional system parameters, but everyday Joe Blow in his house or, you know, the CEO of a company who owns a building isn't going to understand those terms. You need to be able to distill them down into a term that's relatable and understandable to the general population and able to generate further work and uh, further, well, relationship with your yeah, customer. Ba ba yeah, basically dumb it, dumb it down into English for them, right? I don't know if it's necessarily you want to say dumb it down. It's you need to be able to convey that information in uh, colloquial terms, uh, in everyday jargon that anybody on the street can go, you know what, that was a, an odd term I've never heard before, but I understand what you mean. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I got, I got you. I got you. So guys, I don't want to take up too much of your time. We, we've, we've been going for almost an hour now and, and this has been a really good conversation. I've really enjoyed it, but I can, before we did, uh, break off, I'll give you guys both, both a last word here. I, I did want to hear about kind of what you were talking about with, with the guy sitting at his desk and helping the tech in the field. Is that something that you're developing yourself um, for your company or are you using like a third party uh, software to do that? So, um, no, so we're, we're using measure quick of which we can um, mirror what's going on on his phone, right. To the right to a, 
PC in the office. So measure quick. Okay, so measure quick is going to be relayed right to the PC in the office. Yeah, okay, and then I, I'm I, looking I at this, this new technology, this uh, kind of glasses technology. I think it's IXO. Yeah, they, they used to they used to do wearables um, where you could wear smart glasses, but they've they've moved away from those, and it's just usually um, the technician using his phone on site. Um, so basically, there's <clears throat> you can do peer to peer calling. And there's a bunch of uh, uh, icons on your screen. So you can actually freeze the other, like, so let's, let's say I'm helping you and, and you're shining your phone on a furnace. Like I can, I can freeze your screen. I can turn on a, a light. Um, like I can turn on your flashlight from my desk remotely or something like that. It's, it, which is pretty cool. Um, and I can send you um, a whole bunch of files and, and it records it all onto um like they used to be a sponsor of mine. I'm still talking like they are, <laughs> but that you can record it. Um, it just, it gets recorded onto a cloud. So it doesn't take up any room on your phone. And then once you're done, you can generate uh, a link and put it into a report for the customer so they can see all the content you've created. And it kind of helps create this uh, sense of trust and transparency across the board. And it's helping to generate more work, I think, for the companies that are using it. So I'm excited about that. So in, in my business, I designated four people, four guys, uh, trades guys that we call them the innovators. And so okay. you know, they're, they're in different branches. And so, so they're the guys who say, okay, here's some new technology that we think will help the whole enterprise. And they start working on their projects. I mean, they have their day jobs too, but they start work on the projects. So um, Stephen Gamst, um, my sales manager actually out of Las Vegas branch, started with working on that particular project. So as a matter of fact, I had a conference call today with them. They're going to come out and and show me where they've taken off. But I'm really excited between Measure Quick and that. So, you know, Measure Quick, we can look at the we can look at the numbers, right? While he's on site. And with the with the it's XIO, X X X O I, yeah. XOI with XOI. XOI, yeah. Yeah, we can, he can, you know, actually get the whole picture. So, you know, my vision of this thing is have a help desk central to my business. And by the way, I also see that that's another vertical inside our industry, right? If you could deploy this stuff and and you could be the virtual service manager for, you know, you could be for hundreds of companies, right? Smaller. Oh, you, you could, you could, yeah. And you could work anywhere in the world. You could open up your, uh, you could o- open up your light, la- your, your laptop sitting on the beach <laughs> and, and, and help, help another technician across the world, which, which I think is fantastic. I mean, the techs that are, the bodies are breaking down and they, they kind of want to move off the tools and get off the roof or the attic or the basement or whatever they're working. This is, this is an opportunity for them to take advantage of if, if that kind of, opportunity presents itself. Yeah, I read something the other day. So the average age of a US HVAC tech is 54. The average age. Yeah, that, that wouldn't surprise me. Not at all. Cool. So anyway, so, yeah. So yeah. So I mean, we got to solve that problem. We're, we're working on a different way to solve the problem. But I think it'll give us a better work product too. But the virtual yeah. service manager that you work for many different companies is a real interesting business concept too. It is. It's a very interesting business concept. What do you think, Matt? I think it's a really interesting business idea. I'm, I'm 
reserved and hesitant about um, how it will be received across companies that may want to hold on to proprietary knowledge. I think that might be one roadblock that uh, you might encounter um, or you know, if everybody's taking this route, that's going to be encountered up front in a move towards this kind of platform. Yeah, I mean, it, well, look at a law firm. A law firm takes information from tons of different people and, and has to hold it private. I mean, I don't say, I mean, I, they, they have to and um, maybe they whisper in someone's ear here and there. I don't know if that happens or not, but I mean, it'd be kind of the same thing. You would have to have all the legal documentation in place to say, this is private, please don't share it. And I know, I know things happen and people um, get into servers and they hack them and they, they retrieve information and stuff like that. But it's, that's, that's, that, that would be another hurdle to get over. I think at some point. It would be a hurdle to get over. Uh, the idea of being able to assist technicians, um, new and old, uh, across different, you know, areas of the world, I think is going to be an interesting development within our trade. I think we're seeing the initial steps of that, uh, within, different realms of social media, within different small little chat groups, and even on just large scale, uh, like within Instagram, um, you're seeing technicians very positive and very willing to help out people that are coming across equipment or problems they've never experienced before. And then other people are chiming in, hey, how about you look at this aspect of uh, what you're working on. I've been in this situation before. It helped me get out of the problem that you might be experiencing. I think that kind of the global coming together within our trade to help people out is something that is amazing. And I look forward to seeing that develop, hearing you know some of the stories in the past from you know, people like you, Gary, and uh, chats with uh, like Rocky Hyatt, uh, how you know in the past you're on your own and you might have a two-way phone that uh, you might be able to call out to someone, but... And are they going to have the answer you need or are they even going to pick up? Mm -hmm. Yeah. How about, how yeah. about when I started, I had to go ask for the customer because I use, could I use their phone <laughs> <laughs> and, and, Absolutely. And, let them, and let them know I really didn't know what I was doing. <laughs> <laughs> and they, yeah, they would I'm, I'm really to excited about help. that, especially, especially the way you just put it, man. I'm really excited about it. So uh, I'm, you know, that's something I got in the back of my mind. I would like to see how it comes together in Gettle, and maybe I can turn this into another business uh, down the road because I'm going to monetize Gettle, you know, sooner than later. And then, you know, what's my next what's my next venture? And I'm really looking at that one as a high probability. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Ken, because I was doing like a quick little, you know, as much information I could grab offline uh, about you before we all proverbially sat down for this uh, cyber chat uh, that you're making, uh, from what I can see, very positive impact in terms of training future upcoming HVAC technicians and providing them with uh, training facilities where they can actually get quality training. Yeah. So what we, what we got, we, so, you know, we have a technician shortage. I'm sure, I'm sure everybody does. Uh, we all and, do. Yeah. So, um, so I don't know, I got acquainted with another contractor, a friend of mine that is in Fort Worth, Texas, and he created a school for his employees. And then he found out that he could, you know, with a certain accreditations, become trained for train the uh, retiring military, which there's about 250,000 retiring 
military personnel every single year. And so, you know, I, I, I looked at his school and I liked how he did it and I liked the curriculum and it's a short program, but we have our own. So, but what they can do is in the States, they have a thing called the GI bill, which is they'll pay for some education for you after you get out. So we go out now and we recruit, um, you know, these, these, uh, retired military personnel and we'll put them through the school, pay for it through the GI bill. And it gives us their foundation, right? Just the basic stuff. Then we'll come in and then we have our ghetto training process after that, where they're, they're, it's more of an apprenticeship program for several years through Gettle. But when they come in, you know, they know, they know all the basics. They're pretty well-rounded. So I'm excited about it. So we set out an initiative this year to say, I'm going to, uh, you know, we want to hire 50, hire and train 50 vets and put them into our system uh, uh, to expand our, our technician base. I think that's great. Uh, one question I have to follow up with the you know, potential of 50 more vets coming into your training facility and training program, are they still going to have to go through, uh, correct me if I say this wrong, SADI certification? Everybody's got to get safe certified. <laughs> I'd be to, remiss to, if I didn't ask about that. To, to work for Gettle. I'll tell you a funny story, though, if, you, if we got a minute. Do we still have a minute? Oh, yeah, yeah. I yeah. think the Sadie certification maps on nicely to what Gary's been talking to about for a while and has, correct me if I'm wrong, Gary, a dedicated podcast to the HVAC Sixth Sense. Yeah, yeah. So, so Ken, I, I, I don't even know, you guys are going to have to explain to me what Sadie is because I don't even know what it is, but the, the HVAC Sixth Sense is basically for years, for years and years and years, uh, and, and I don't know if Matt experiences this with, with uh, pricing out contracts and stuff, is that I, I could be on a building that has, let's say, 60 some odd circuits of refrigeration on that building, but I've only got like a day and a half or two days to go to complete a PM on this building. And it's no fault of the owner of the business or the managers or nothing because every company is competing for, for these buildings and they're all um, uh, quoting lower and cutthroating lower. And this is just the industry and the market that we're in. Um, and, and I've had to rely on my senses to know if something's working properly. So when I get, get onto a roof, um, after I've commissioned a unit or someone else has commissioned a unit and I go there for the first maintenance, I know the way it sounds. I know how much heat is coming off the top of the condenser in the middle of the summer, how much condensate's supposed to come out of the drain, um, the way the compressor's supposed to feel and sound. They almost become like my little babies. And then if I go on the roof and I hear a sound that's slightly off, I can pick it up right away because I know the building so well and I go to it and then I spend a little bit more time and I tell the customer, listen, there's something going on with this machine. We need to stop the PM and we need to start troubleshooting, which is outside the PM. And I need to open up a separate job and start billing you separately for this. So that that is kind of a short story of what the HVAC six senses. It's, in my opinion, it's using all tools available to um, bring, you know, basically your HVAC game up. Um, you've got to remember that, you know, in the presence of, you know, you can have every single digital tool on the market. If you don't know how to use them and you don't know how to use your senses, uh, your sense of smell, your sense of touch, um, 
you know, in some cases, your sense of taste, although I don't recommend that. Oh, uh, if, it's in, if it's in the air, you can kind of, <laughs> you got to do one of those, right? Aldehydes you can definitely uh, kind of taste, but uh, yeah. don't go around sipping that pink glycol, even though yeah. it's nice and sweet. Uh, but using every tool available and realizing that you know, the most valuable tool that you have that you're bringing to a job is yourself and what you know your senses mm -hmm. and i think what ken's doing um in terms of going back to the sadi certification i think it ties into the hvac sixth sense in the sense that you're bringing another um not human sense into you know assessing um people and um you know their uh, ability to you know work within our trade you're bringing an animal sense into the equation now and it seems for ken to be a very well to be an invaluable resource for employee screening and so so let me i'll get you up to speed gary on sadie certified okay so i have a dog her name's sadie and she's a Wheaton Terrier. And so when she was a puppy, she used to jump on me. You know, she used to just jump on the family, jump all over us. And then she got a little bigger. She was just jump. And every time people come, she'd jump and claw, jump, jump. She's a very happy dog. And so I meet this, um, this woman happened to be the head of the contractors board in Las Vegas. And uh, I was talking to her and she, she had the same type of dog. And I said, Hey, do you have, do you have a uh, way? you have a, a trainer that, you know, may help me train her not to jump all the time. It's, you know, it's aggravating. It's annoying. And she goes, Oh, you can't train that. That's called the wheat and greeting. You know, that's it's in their DNA, the wheat and greeting. So that's what all Wheatons do. I said, Oh, okay. So go about it. And she says, that's when, when she says the, the Wheatons have a sixth sense. And when they know, you know, when you're a, a good person and they like you, they will jump on you when they don't. They'll run from you. They'll go run and hide. They're kind of, you know, somewhat, uh, I don't know what the word is, uh, nervous. And so, I don't know, I, I started testing it out. You know, it was a little smaller company. I'd get a guy that I kind of liked. I said, and I have a very, you can imagine I have, I have the king of air conditioning systems for someone's home, right? It's got every bell and whistle and it's perfect and, you know. I got it all in a big mechanical room. And so when I'm recruiting somebody, I would bring them in to see my system and just kind of watch them and see what they did and see if they knew what it was and what the, the, the certain things are. And the guys who really knew why we did what we did and how things worked, you know, there's, they got to the top of the list. But I noticed like when I bring a guy that I thought I immediately, like I kind of have my own sixth sense too, but that I thought was a little sketchy or eh, maybe he's not the type of guy I want. Sadie would, would let me know. So Sadie would either give the wheat and greeting or she'd go mm -hmm. run and hide. Right. Yep. And so, uh, you know, we started this routine, Sadie certified and we, she's got to come and you got to meet Sadie. And, and we started advertising it. And once we advertised Sadie certified, I mean, the business just, 
came in. We couldn't take all the business because people with animals, they know that that's a real thing. They know their dog can tell, spot the, you know, the bad actors or not, or the good people. And so, so now we have to go through and it's, and now it's getting arduous because it's, we, we're gotten so big. We have eight, over 800 employees now, but, and, and we have so many offices. I got to fly Sadie around and we, We'll so we'll we have to hire him first now, but Sadie will double check him. But when Sadie, every single time, one hundred percent of the time, when Sadie runs and hides, that's a problem guy, and they be, they become a problem guy, or I already or I thought they were before we got there. So, you know, we've we've used that, but it has been a great great addition to our you know, one of our marketing messages, uh, you know, core marketing messages that's really helped propel our brand. That's um, incredible. That, yeah. that really is incredible. <laughs> I've never heard of anything like that before. And let me, let me ask you what Sadie's uh, success rate is of hiring. She's a hundred percent. I mean, every, wow, really? every single person that she's identified um, as not a good, you know, not a good person. And uh, uh, we, eventually find out through their background checks, for instance, that they're not, or if they're already on the team, they'll always do something that it's not going to work for us. So hundred percent of the time, it's, it's very interesting. So now, you know, now we got to look at, we're starting to think about Sadie's 12, which is old for a dog. And so now we're thinking about getting a few more Sadie's start putting them in the branches and it's just become part of our culture and a part of our, uh, our message that, you know, we care about the character of the people we're sending in your home. Right. So that's that, certified. Yeah. That, that, that is, that is exceptional. I've, I've never heard of anything like that before. And, and, and I, I think that is, that is a very cool, that, that is, that is outside the box thinking for sure. And say that there's only been one other HVAC company that uh, I interviewed with years ago that the owner of this company uh, kind of had on a smaller scale, uh, what you have going on, Ken, he, this owner would always keep his dog in his office and he'd kind of screen the people coming through uh, with the, with uh, his dog. But I don't think to the extent that uh, you've implemented it and promoted it within your company. Yeah. So we have now, now we're getting so big. So I do quarterly, what we call town hall, hall meetings and I'll go to each branch once a quarter. I mean, I'm, I'm there a lot more, but I'll have a whole company meeting once in a quarter. I'll bring Sadie. You know, I bring Sadie. I bring a photographer. And anyone who hasn't been Sadie certified, they, they sit in the chair and they get to pet Sadie. And if, if Sadie will pet, you know, if she's not, then, you know, we, we put, you know, we keep our eye on them. Um, uh, but... You know, we have pictures of Sadie sitting with all our technicians and they go on their company phones because every call someone has, or every day, on every call, every day, our technicians are asked, are you Sadie certified? And they can prove it by showing on the phone. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, that's awesome. I love it. A new national, uh, well, I guess down in America, new national HVAC certification, you know, Sadie certified. Yeah, well, actually, sounds like a like a you know formal formal acronym, right? Sadie, right. you know, you're gonna put it up against Nate any day of the week. Yeah, yeah. 
All right, cool guys. That has been that has been an awesome conversation. Like I mean, this has been I haven't done very many roundtables. I think maybe only two or three. Um, but I always enjoy when when I do them because and um, Matt, you jumped in there with some some really good questions um, because the Sadie certified thing. You obviously took some time to look that up, uh, <laughs> which, I, which, I, which, I, which which I didn't. So I I really uh, I really commend you for that. Oh, thanks, Gary. It's, uh, yeah, no. I'd like to know uh, who we're talking with. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, when when it comes across as uh, you know, kind of blind questioning, it's nice to be able to know little tidbits about the background of people that uh, you're going to engage in conversation with helps break yeah, the you, ice. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I appreciate that. I always take the approach of, I will get to know you during the conversation. Um, that that's just been kind of my approach to interviewing. And, but it, it was, it was cool to have that aspect, Matt, where you did a little bit of research and, and ask Ken some of those questions, um, especially about Sadie, because I learned something cool and so did the audience. Uh, call it my academic background coming back into play, <laughs> I guess. Uh, awesome. I, I will, I will, I will tell you guys that some of my best, best technicians and best managers that I've had over the years have come from Canada. And and I, you have a great training program. I think uh, I think the character and caliber of the Canadian people is is very high. But like this one guy, I got to tell you about this one guy. His name's Colin Mardodam, and he was from uh, oh shoot Edmonton, Edmonton, right? I'm not sure. Oh, yeah, right next door to Gary and I. <laughs> I don't even know where that's at. But anyway, no, 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 no. no. It's, it's it's far it's away. Miles away. It, that's going to be like a almost four hour plane flight from where Gary and I are to get out to Edmonton. Okay. But he would tell these stories and had these pictures when, when, when he was, um, uh, an apprentice, right. He worked for some oil field or something like this, but he had to ride a snowmobile for an hour and a half every single day, back and forth, you know, hour and a half there, hour and a half back to, get to work and, you know, do his job. And that's how he learned the trade. And, and he was great at the trade and he became a great manager, great leader. And he, he went on to own his own company and sold it and stuff. He was a great guy, but you know, there's something about the training that you guys receive that's, that's exceptional. And so, Hey Matt, you know, it's, yeah, pretty, nice. it's pretty nice out here in uh, Southern California and, and uh, you ever been to Scottsdale? It's nice too. Uh, actually, yeah, I have. I've, <laughs> believe it or not, uh, not in the. I've traveled a lot for my HVAC career. Uh, the very first company I worked for, I've literally traveled all of Ontario, Canada, uh, doing HVAC just for that one company alone. Uh, our on-call uh, territory, Gary will be able to relate to this. Uh, when you were on call, you were covering Windsor, Ontario, to Ottawa and Niagara Falls to Sudbury. Uh, and those were for calls for Petro-Canada, a uh, gas station uh, chain across uh, Canada, really. But we just worked in Ontario, and it was for their car wash, heating, and plumbing. So you were traveling very long distances, much like the story you gave there, Ken, uh, to do your job. And I cut my teeth traveling across Ontario doing HVAC, and I learned a lot. I've uh, been in terms of, you know, down in the good old U.S. of A, down uh, in uh, the areas that uh, you're in, 
Uh, I've traveled all across the USA in my academic uh, career for conferencing. Uh, traveled all across the United States and all across, well, the world uh, for various academic conferences. So I was blessed in that respect uh, within that domain of work in terms of being able to actually travel the world. So, you know, as a, as a travel down to uh, your neck of the woods and, you know, see what's going on uh, at your company out of the question, never say never. <laughs> yeah, I tell my managers all the time, always be recruiting. You know, listen, I, you know, I've accomplished a lot, but, you know, I'm a, I consider myself, uh, you know, a tradesman. And so I make sure wherever I go, if I see a tradesman, I talk to him. I talk to him. I meet him. Maybe get a business card. I have a database of thousands of people that I met over the years. And, you know, we try to email them from time to time and keep in touch, but, you know, for a recruiting effort. But, um, you know, we're just always trying to bring the top caliber talent to our team, always. Yeah. And, and, and you got to do that through networking. I mean, I, I, any time you have a chance to network, and grow your network, I think that you need to take advantage of that and do it. And that's where social media and LinkedIn and, and, and all these platforms have really, really got a, a stranglehold on, on physical meeting people and, and networking is, is because you can do a lot of this without traveling anymore. I mean, I don't travel anywhere. And I've created a pretty big network for myself on many different platforms. And I haven't left the city of Toronto to do it, um, which which is a fabulous thing for me. Um, I was actually looking forward to do some physical networking in in March. Actually, this month is supposed to be next week at the CMPX show, which got canceled because everything's getting canceled now. And that was really my first opportunity since I've started this whole project, Ken, that I was able to go out and do physical networking with people at a large event. Um, and Matt was going to come and maybe a couple other people are going to come by and say hi. But I mean, we, we were going to have this, we were going to have a, a very big meet, meet up, meet and greet. And I see, I saw, I've seen a lot of it happen at AHR in Orlando in February. There's a lot of um, texts that are on Instagram and Facebook and stuff, taking pictures of, of each finally meeting each other in person. And they're all so happy to, to finally meet. It was, it was incredible stuff. Well, we're going to have that opportunity, you know, one day, Gary, it's, you know, given the current world uh, situations, yeah, it's postponed, but it's uh, not postponed indefinitely. No, no, and it's not. But it it just it just sucks that it 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 happened that way. Yeah, um, absolutely. But, but it it just it's just amazing that you can create such a large network for yourself. Put yourself out there. Let everybody know who you are, where what what you're about, um, what your message is, and you don't need to leave your house to do it, really, or your or your town. You what I'd also kind of like to add to that is even though you're developing, you know, a very large network uh, within our trade, um, it's still a very, very small community. And oh, yeah. word Dude. travels you know, faster than the speed of light in terms yeah. of, you know, who are the techs and individuals within our trade that you want to work with and who are some of the people that you may want to distance yourself from a little bit as well. Yeah. Yeah. You can put yourself out there positively or negatively. And, and the hope is that 
um, you create a following that you want to be involved with. You don't want to create a following. Uh, if you want to be uh, involved with negative people, then yeah, you be negative and hopefully maybe those negative people will follow you, but you're not going to have a very big network that can do many things for you if you're a negative person. If you're positive, you see the light at the end of the tunnel and you're always trying to help out and you always find a way to spin that problem into something that could be an opportunity, then you're the, the bandwagon jumping will, will, will happen pretty, pretty fast for you, I think. Absolutely. And you're going to be building you know, a huge name uh, for yourself within the industry and, and taking that you know, power of positivity, that positive message forward, uh, no matter what platform you're you know, promoting it up on, whether it be within social media, uh, whether it be through podcasts, uh, online, or just in person, the, the old, old, old fashioned way to go back to, you know, Ken's, um, sorry to harp on the, the old fashioned ways thing there, Ken, but the good old days when it was the interaction you had was only interaction was person to person. There's still a lot to be said to just one-on-one, person-to-person communication and interaction. Yeah, 100%. I agree, guys. Ken, any any last words there before we head off? Well, so um, I agree with both of you, and, and it's great information. Matt, come on out here when uh, when things calm down a little bit and I'll just show you, I'll show you around with both of them. Come on. And I'll show you how we do business. And uh, by that time, I'll yeah, I was have gonna say, where's, where's my invite, Ken? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I hear guys... Ken send in a plane for the two of us, Gary. <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll send, yeah. I'll send get to get you, but <laughs> perfect. But um, yeah, come out. I want you to see the measure quick thing and everything we're doing and, and let's meet. And, and I have just been a consummate networker and, Another thing that I that I really truly believe that has been one of my keys to to the to my success to the extent it is today is I've opened my I've opened my doors to anyone who wants to come in and see my operation or needs help or I, I coach I don't know many many guys at a time and try to help them succeed in the business. I had my struggles, but when I was going through my struggles, people, um, you know, put their hand out and helped me. And so I continue to give that back because um, I just think that's the way, that's one of the key elements of me succeeding is, you know, helping other people succeeds, elevates me. And so um, anybody listening to this podcast, you know, there's a lot of good information in the book. Obviously, I'm not in the business, book business, and there was no money in a book. Book, I got to tell you, but it's just my way of giving back. And you certainly can contact me in all the different social media uh, methods, and I'm happy to ask answer questions. And I, I do it every day. I, you know, ten to fifteen to twenty people reach out a day and ask me business related kind of questions, and I, and I'm happy to help. Don't feel like you can't approach me. So guys, that was, I believe, the longest podcast we've done. And that's because the conversation was so awesome. All three of us, I think, were really genuinely enjoying the conversation. And it's just kind of the way I I envisioned it would be. It would just be this kind of organic conversation where we kind of feed off each other's energy and kind of the things that we were saying, we would just veer off into different stories here and there. And, and, And I thought it was awesome. So I have to thank Ken for reaching out to me on Instagram and offering up your time 
fabulous stuff. Matt, Matt and I talk quite a bit once in a while through Instagram and, um, I expected Matt to say yes. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Matt, thank you very much. I really appreciate it. Uh, you were a great guest and that crack research you did for Ken and knowing about Sadie, that that was cool, man, because I, I learned something there. And I think everybody that's listening probably learned something very, very cool. And maybe more company owners will start implementing that. Who knows? But anyway, guys, thank you. I'm out. Happy HVACing. Hope you enjoyed the show. Follow HVAC Know-It-All on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, TikTok, Twitter, LinkedIn, and anywhere else Gary feels like popping up. This has been a Two Smokes and a Coffee production.